I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne, and I'm hooked on a feeling. Are you hooked on a feeling? I am. I've had that song stuck in my head now for the last two days. I tell you what, I think they picked a great song to uh, match up to the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer that came out this week. Did you guys buy the song? I did. <laughs> uh, I did, I, actually. I did, too. Oh, my God. I kind of – I, <laughs> I refuse. I'm just sitting here. I mean, my my my, uh, my theme right now is just ooga-chaka, ooga-chaka, ooga <laughs> And I've been saying that at random times throughout the week. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I walk around, ooga-chaka. But uh, <laughs> I, I have not purchased the song. But apparently it had, what, something like a 700% – Increase in sales or something like that? Yeah, one-day sales just from the release of the trailer was uh, – there were like over 2,000 downloads on iTunes uh, just for that one song. And, you know, they're saying that if the if the traffic keeps up, it'll actually register on the, on the billboards. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. Uh, you know, when the trailer came out, uh, I, 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 I just had a big fucking grin on my face. And I have I, – I mean, I have watched that thing probably two dozen times by now. And I keep showing it to people. Look at this. Look at this. And you know, random my wife just work. yeah, I know. I mean, just just stopping random people on the street. Look at this. I mean, I <laughs> seeing. I mean, you know, we talked about the uh, test footage that we had seen of Rocket and Groot uh, a week or so ago. But seeing all of that on there, seeing Rocket in the lineup sneering at the at the uh, at the guards. Uh, seeing Nova Corps guys, <laughs> you know, uh, processing criminals. You know, I, I just, I, I'm just tickled to death by that trailer. Yeah, every time people are asking why did they choose Guardians of the Galaxy, now I can why. point to this trailer <laughs> because this is going to be, I think, the most fun of any of the Marvel movies so far. Yeah. And just watching that trailer, there's so many little things to pick up on. Yeah. Like uh, Star Lord's crimes. Yeah. He's got like one sex offense, one thief. I'm I'm tickled by the fact that you know in the uh, Abnett and Lanning comic uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Lord didn't like being called Star Lord. You know everybody else called him Star Lord, and he's like, man, just call me Peter. You know, but in the trailer, it's who calls him Star Lord? Well, mostly himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I like how they kind of turned that around. I thought that was amusing. Yeah, I, I love the. Uh, they're called the Guardians of the Galaxy. Who calls them that? They do. <laughs> Bunch of a-holes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, go ahead. No, yeah, it just, I, I got to tell you, it fills me with joy. I've already decided I'm taking the day off when it comes on August 1st. Yeah, I think I will, yeah. too. I, I, I was looking forward to the movie, but now I'm excited about the movie. I, I, that. I am just stoked. I mean, I, I, I can't think of the last time I was this excited about a movie. I just, I am stoked about this thing. I really, you know, I mean, it's a very effective trailer. I really hope the film lives up to it. I mean, it's, you know, I wasn't sure about this Chris Pratt guy as a Star-Lord, but he seems to be really good. I mean, you know, I mean, because the trailer mostly focuses on him. You don't hear Rocket speak in the trailer. Right. Did you guys see that they um, they released a series of uh, vignettes on each character after the trailer came out, like 30-second vignettes for each character? Yeah, I watched the Bradley yeah. Rocket Raccoon one, but I haven't watched the others. Yeah, oh, I mean, the Star-Lord one I think is my favorite. Yeah, well, I like the Drax one because it shows a little bit more of Drax. Than, I mean, there's not much – there's probably less Drax than anybody else in the trailer. Now, you know, uh, Drax's origin in the comics is that Thanos uh, killed him and his family, and then he's resurrected to avenge his family's death. Um I'm, I'm curious if that's his origin here as well, because that'd be a nice link in to Thanos, which links them. You know, it's kind of a six degrees of separation, uh, getting them into the Avengers. Yeah. Well, they did say he was on, you know, a quest for vengeance across the yeah. universe or something like that. So yeah. maybe. Very and uh, you know, they released the one sheet poster as well. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's funny. It says, um, you know, from the studio that brought you Iron Man, Avengers, and Captain America. It says Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. And at the bottom it just says, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's going to I, – I, I have faith that this movie's going to be fantastic. I just I, – and, and I, I fear that I have gotten myself so excited that I'm just going to uh, be disappointed. <laughs> well, yeah, it could be I, one of those situations where you're going to like it even if it's not good. And you'll yeah. realize it's not good in a couple of years. I am I, giddy. I, I, I am. I'm just giddy. I, I, the, the trailer was everything I could have hoped it would be. Yeah, I mean, before the trailer, it was one of those things where 
I knew I would watch the movie. I figured I would probably like it, but I wasn't excited about it except for the uh, the Rocket Raccoon bits. Yeah. Until seeing that trailer and then getting what the feel of the movie is, what they're going for. Now I'm excited. You know, Marvel's had some pretty good trailers because the Captain America Winter Soldier trailer was pretty oh, yeah. awesome too. Yeah. But, you know, Marvel's had some pretty good movies to build trailers off of. True. So, so. well, you know, if if you are deriving even a, a degree of the joy that I'm deriving from uh, seeing Rocket Raccoon on the screen, um, you know, Bill Mantlo is the guy who created Rocket Raccoon. And uh, Bill Mantlo, uh, big-time comic book writer back in the 80s, he, uh, he is the guy who is responsible for bringing the Micronauts and ROM Space Knight properties to Marvel, and he wrote both of those books. Um, you know, he wrote The Incredible Hulk. He's the guy who's responsible for the uh, uh, Incredible Hulk at the Crossroads, if you remember that that, that uh, story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote a ton of stuff for Marvel, you know, really a, sort of a journeyman writer. He also and, created Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, I mean, it just he's got tremendous credits behind his name. And if it wasn't for the fact that he was in a horrible, horrible hit-and-run accident. Uh, I'm sure that he would just be a giant uh, in, in, in current comics book writing today. But it left him with a cognitive dysfunction, and he has been in a nursing facility for many years now. Uh, Greg Pak uh, reminded us all of that again online this week. And uh, uh, if... If you have, if you take any joy from the work that he's done, uh, please kick some uh, dollars his way. You can donate through PayPal, and we'll put that link in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a good cause. I mean, he he absolutely deserves to uh, to be taken care of. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I, I'm going to transition to uh, something else that brought me tremendous joy this week. You know, I I ever since Paul and I went to Sci-Fi Expo, I have been in acquisition mode. Um, uh, me it, too. <laughs> it is hard to be surrounded by so much, you know, so many goodies, and then just all of a sudden stop being surrounded by goodies. So I, I keep acquiring as a Ferengi. As a Ferengi, I have been acquiring. Um, and so I picked up this awesome, you know, Jack Kirby Galactus Silver Surfer T-shirt this week. Um, I, I got a new uh, Star Trek Diamond Select Art Asylum uh, uh, NCC 1701B uh, spaceship. It's fantastic. Uh, picked up the Kenneth Height Nazi Occult book. And I come home from work yesterday, and there is a box on my porch. And this is how bad it's gotten. I mean, I'm, I'm really kind of out of control. I'm like, oh, my God, did I order something that I've forgotten about? You know, <laughs> and, and, and I'm, I'm, I picked up the box. I'm like, i got to stop. i, I got to control myself. I, I, I have no idea what this is, you know, but it's addressed to me. And uh, I open up the box, and there's, a, there's a, a, a document in it that says, you've been sent a gift. And I open it up, and it's from Paul. And it is a $6 million man lunchbox, complete with a $6 million man traveling coffee mug and a set of $6 million man coasters. And, Paul, this is the very same lunchbox I had when I was a kid. That's awesome. It is. I mean, I, I, I have been smiling from ear to ear. And I told my wife, I said, you know, the best gifts are the ones you never knew you needed until you had it. And I don't know how I have lived this long without having this on my shelf. <laughs> I mean, it is exactly. And, and you know, we, we talked about at the con that I'm not much of a of a celebrity signature guy. But if I have the opportunity to get back in front of Lee Majors, I'm going to have him sign it. That would be cool. That'd be and great. it was an awesome gift for him, Paul. It, it is fantastic. And there's one additional thing that came with it. And I, I don't even think it's listed on, on what's in there, but it was in the thing. It's a $6 million man keychain with sound effects. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, my wife wants to talk to you about that, by oh. the way. <laughs> are, are you playing it in the bedroom? <laughs> I am. I'm like, honey, I'm looking at you. <laughs> it is, just that goes your, off. Is, is that your own noise, Aaron? Yeah, that's my own. <laughs> Um, you know, my I can I'm sorry? My bionic orgasm. <laughs> Why did I ask you to repeat that? Uh, you know, I came away from a Sci-Fi Expo with actually worse habits. Um, not not purchasing habits. I mean, a little bit. You know, you've been buying some goodies, and I, I you know, I hit a flea market last weekend because 
you know, between Sci-Fi Expo and the fact that Toy Hunter is back on TV. And I'm like, oh, maybe I can go through, you know, I, I, I have this vision of me going through bins of toys, finding hidden treasure. Um, and so I went to a flea market last week, and then I found some, you know, some cool old 90s uh, Fantastic Four and Batman figures still in their original packaging that I got some good deals on. It, it's kind of funny because you remember that Fantastic Four uh, cartoon series from 1994? With Herbie? Um, oh, no, 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 the 94 one didn't have Herbie. It was the one that led into the Marvel Action Hour with the Iron Man cartoon. Correct. Yeah. You know, so this guy had a Thing figure from that series. And I was like, I don't like that. And he said, it's $8. I said, I was hoping you were going to say 5 And he's like, no, it's vintage, man. I was like, it's not vintage. It's 1994. I know when it came out. And I was like, the most I'll give you is 6 He's like, okay. So he took the $6 for his vintage 1994 action figure. Good for you, Paul. Yeah, but, you know, the, the problem is now I'm getting into that bad habit. Because I was walking around a store yesterday, and I saw this action figure for, like, 8 bucks, And I'm like, I wonder if they'll take 5 for it. And it doesn't work that way in regular stores. <laughs> I, had, I had to remember not to bring it up to a counter and say, I'll give you 5 That's hysterical. I, I, got, I got to turn off the, uh, the Toy Hunter mindset. That is too fun. Well, you remember um, around uh, Christmas time we were talking about funnybooks.com coming up for uh, for purchase. Oh, yeah, and you offered the guy 20 bucks for it or something? Well, you know, he I, I sent him a note saying, hey, what are you looking for on funnybooks.com? And he responded with, you know, I've spoken to my client, and they're looking for $31,000. And he says, uh, please contact me if you have an offer and would, that you would like me to put forward. And so I responded with 5 bucks. And he responded with, it's unfortunate that we were not able to put something together at this time. Do you have a maximum offer or budget you would like me to keep on file in case anything changes? And I said, yes, five bucks. And he came back and he said, you know, I'm going to take a wild guess and assume that the price that was quoted to you might be out of your budget. I wanted to tell you that this client has allowed buyers to pay for domains over time. I wanted to see if this might be of interest to you. And I said, I am willing to pay five bucks a month, <clears throat> one month. <laughs> and he responded with, you know, hey, Aaron, we spoke recently about the domain name funnybooks.com. There may be some flexibility in the price if you can complete a deal within the next week. To resume negotiations, please respond ASAP. And I said, make me your best offer. And he came back with, with a quick close, I can get a deal done on this name for $16,000. And I responded with, how about five bucks? <laughs> that's where we are right now, but I'd like to point out that we've come down half off that price. Keep off the initial $31,000. So I'm expecting that in another month we might be down to, I don't know, $8,000. So we're getting close, Paul. Yeah, yeah. So in about <laughs> one year, we'll be down to five bucks. Five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even offering, you know, what you could buy it for on Network Solution. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to offer a hundred bucks. Five bucks. Five bucks. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're a dick. Good <laughs> times. <sighs> so this week, uh, Fox. They, they haven't officially announced it, but, you know, it's kind of been all over the place that final stages of negotiations have begun. Negotiations have begun for the upcoming Fantastic Four movie. That's how they're going to pronounce it. Fantastic Four. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, and the four actors uh, currently being um, negotiated with are Miles Teller for the role of Mr. Fantastic, Kate Mara as uh, Sue Storm, Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm, and Jamie Bell as uh, Ben Grimm. I don't think I know who any of these people are. They're, they're, yeah. they're casting very young. Mm. Um, Miles Teller was in... Uh, he's currently starring in The Spectacular Now, which I hear is a really good film. Um, but he was also in 21 and Over and Project X. He, he, he's in a lot of these, like, kid-drinking movies. Uh, hmm. Michael B. Jordan was the... Uh, the guy, for, he was one of the actors from Chronicle. Right, I remember him, but I don't know who the other three are. Um, Kate Mara is um, you know, the daughter of uh, that football guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I don't follow sports ball. Oh, my God. But he's, he's, he's Mara. He owns a football team. He's, like, stupid rich. 
Um, Still never heard of him. Oh, my God. Can't help you there. All right. But anyway, she I mean, she, she's in House of Cards. She plays Zoe in House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in Shooter. She was in... Uh, oh, yeah, I know. Okay, she played Zoe in House of Cards. Okay, I'm good. I'm there. And yeah. she's playing Sue Storm? Yes, she would be playing Sue Storm. Wow. Not not who I would cast for Sue Storm. And um, Jamie Bell as um, Ben Grimm. He's a he's a thin actor, so they're, they're not going with the, the typical short, stocky... Um, Actor that would you know, that they would normally cast. Uh, Jamie I'm Bell. Gonna, I'm, I'm sorry. They're going to CGI that guy. Oh, I'm that's sure. what I'm expecting. You know, and Jamie Bell actually played Tintin. Um, you know, he was the, the 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 motion capture guy that they got to play Tintin. But he's been in uh, Billy Elliot. He was in Jumper. He was in King Kong. Who was he in Jumper? He was the bad guy, Griffin. Oh, okay. Um, Jane Eyre. He's been in a bunch of movies. So, Paul, have you seen Chronicle? You mentioned earlier one of these guys was in Chronicle. I have. I love is Chronicle. There, is there any? I've got oh. uh, two comic book movies that are sitting on my uh, TV stand waiting to be watched. One of them is Chronicle, and the other is All he- All Superheroes Must Die. I thought Chronicle was fantastic. I think Chronicle's okay. Um, I think it's well acted, but the found footage element of it kind of... Oh, I thought it worked really well. I, I dug it a lot, Wayne. I mean, it's worth seeing. It's definitely worth seeing. As and I think, but I will say, I think the reason why I enjoyed it so much was that I had no expectations of it at all. You know? Yeah, I mean, I w- I'm going to watch it because I already bought it, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Okay. We'll watch it this week, and we expect your full report next week. Indeed. Well, and director Josh Trank is the guy who, uh, of Chronicle, who's the guy who's directing The Fantastic Four, hmm. which will hopefully not be a found footage film. Or, or maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. <laughs> we um, never really get a good look at Doctor Doom, <laughs> and they've not announced if anyone's you know who's playing Doctor Doom. You know what would be a cool movie that they'll never make? Marvels. Just in the uh, you know in one of the movie universes, a reporter dealing with everything. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be that would be like one of the interesting. Uh, you know how they do all of those extra movies that they throw on, like the little shorts. That would be a great Marvel short for one of the movies. Or if Marvel ever got off their asses and, uh, you know, did something with their animated feature line. True. But, I mean, I, I, so I'm the Fantastic Forecasting hits me with a big fat. Eh, we'll see. I, I, I got to tell you, the uh, the casting of Sue Storm, I, I think, is uh, dubious because I would never cast that actress as Sue Storm. She, she doesn't have the charisma to be Sue Storm. Yeah, I mean, typically when I've seen her, she's just a pretty face. Well, and I mean, she's usually, I mean, the, the character, like, for instance, in her House of Cards character is just rather edgy, and, uh, you know, she's she's got kind of a darkness to her personality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never, I don't think I've seen her in anything in which she was joyful or warm, and those are characteristics of Sue Storm. Maybe not anymore. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Sue Storm maybe. is a bitch. Well, it would not surprise me. <laughs> well, you know, because Mark Millar is the uh, is the creative consultant over there, so, oh, so they're all going to be assholes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you and, know, and it'll it, be rated R. It would have to be an improvement over the previous two Fantastic Four movies. So. Uh, I liked the Fantastic Four movies. The one there is. Um, there is literally nothing to like about the previous two Fantastic Four movies. <laughs> I disagree. I thought Silver Surfer looked really cool. I liked Silver Surfer, and I liked I liked Ugh. Mr. Fantastic. I liked the Thing makeup and Ugh. Michael Chiklis. It was all horrible, Paul. It was not. Every last bit of it was horrible. <laughs> I, I disagree, Aaron. Well, you're wrong. There, what, what about that one scene with uh, Sue Storm and just a broad panties? Mm, sorry. Uh, you know... Not good. The whole movie was not good. The whole both of those movies was not good. There's nothing redeeming about in either of them except the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, it, it, I, I can tell you have a hard stance on this. I do. Let's see if we can come to an agreement on this week's issue of New Warriors. Well, the, this week's very first issue of New Warriors. Indeed, indeed. So and is this volume three? I believe so. Maybe volume four at this point. Because um, there was that one where they were TV stars. and Right. Um, that's the one that led up to Civil War. I don't, so I don't I, know exactly which one. I believe it's volume. Who the hell cares? Because it's going to be a new number one in probably 12 months anyway. Good point. They'd never do that, Wayne. Never. Daredevil. 
Um, so, <laughs> New Warriors number one came out this week. Well, um, it, so it did. So it did. Written by uh, Christopher Yost and uh, drawn by Ramon Perez. Is that right? Uh, no, drawn by Marcus Toe. Marcus Toe, that's right. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you guys think? Um, I, I think it's too early to say, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. The gang's not together yet. And I, I think that's probably one of the things that frustrated me about the book is, you know, we're telling the, the story very linearly. Uh, I, I Generally, in these kind of things, I'd rather see the, the gang all together in the first issue doing something and then seeing how they got together later on down the line as opposed to just drawing it out. Um, I do kind of think the team's a little big. Yeah. You know, it looks like it's a, it's a what, a three, five, eight-person team, um, you know, including Scarlet Spider, uh, Nova, Namora, not to be confused with Namorita, Justice, Speedball, and two other people, three other people that I couldn't tell you who their names are. Well, Scarlet Spider's uh, sidekick. Yeah. Yeah, the, the demigod Ar- sidekick. Arcelia, Sun Girl. Yeah. Which I had never seen Sun Girl before, but I kind of like her character in here. And uh, I knew something. nothing about her. Yeah, I don't, I, I've not seen her before either. I, I will say that I, I was relieved that they had not forgotten about what happened in Stanford. You know, the mm-hmm. you know, they do address it in the book because one of the things that had bugged me is they seem to have, you know, reversed everything with Speedball's character because remember he after he would be after he was the lone New Warriors survivor from the Stanford, Connecticut issue, um, he became penance and just went very dark and whatnot and. It seemed to me in the pages of Nova that they had just completely forgotten about that. But it looks like not. They at least talked a little bit about Stanford, Connecticut. And I'm hoping we get to see maybe, you know, a little bit of speedball dealing with some of that later on. Because, you know, as long as they're dealing with it, I'm good with that. You know, I just don't want them to, to pretend that that never happened. Yeah. So I've, I approached this issue with very low expectations. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I enjoyed it. But I had a couple of major issues. And one of them was that speedball just seems like I haven't been reading Nova. Right. He seems totally out of character. Like he's been rewound back to the 80s. Right. And I mean, that, that and that's exactly what happened in Nova. Um, you know, he and Justice just seemed very young in the pages of Nova. And I've always liked Justice. And I do. I liked him in this issue, too. I thought I didn't see anything that seemed overly out of character for him. But Speedball, I just kept struggling with. Because it was like he doesn't even remember what happened in the last ten years. Yeah, I did kind of dig that they you know started off this adventure over in New Salem, and so we got to see Salem Seven. And I, mean, I can't think of the last time I saw those guys in a book. I've never seen them. Yeah, was yeah they're all new to me. They were they were created in the pages of Fantastic Four. Um, it was an Agatha Harkness uh, storyline. You know, the the, the witch uh, nanny to uh, you know Franklin Richards. And uh, she had kidnapped Franklin, you know, a- as nannies will do, and retreated to New Salem where, you know, we got to meet these guys. But I, I can't think of the last time I saw them other than in the pages of Fantastic Four in the 80s. Wow. So it was kind of fun. So I'm curious where Sun Girl came from. I'm going to have to do some uh, research on her because I enjoyed her character in here, and I have no idea who she is. I was also happy to see the uh, the High Evolutionary, because I've always kind of liked him as a villain, but I haven't read much with him. So well, I like that his head has a handle. <laughs> <laughs> it makes him it makes it easy to carry him around. That's right. Well, and I've always enjoyed Bova, and so it was nice to see Bova in, in the opening page, but uh, you know, less so that she's you know dying and High Evolutionary is killing her. Yeah, true, true. But uh, well, but you know, there, there's enough here for me to come back to the book. Um, I just in terms of a first issue, I didn't think that it blew the doors off. Yeah, I really I enjoyed it a lot. I think they came in with low expectations. And I also felt it kind of felt like Knights of Rainsboro to me a little bit. Right. Like that like that first season where we didn't know each other and we were all doing our own thing, but the stories were gonna kinda come together and just I don't know why it felt so much like Rainsboro, but the feel just kind of did, where you've got these completely separate characters off on their own that it's obvious they're going to eventually come together, but you have no idea how. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I actually posted on our Facebook page that if you're a fan of Rainsboro, check out the you know this week's relaunch of Marvel's New Warriors book because it has a similar flavor. It, 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 as I'm reading it, I was like, huh, 
This does feel a little bit like Waynesboro season one. Yeah, it was like a fun romp. So, I mean, that that's probably the the highest compliment I could pay the book is, you know, it did have <laughs> a, a similar feel of Rainsboro season one. Um, you know, I, I am looking forward to more of the story. You know, I think maybe they should have had a double-sized issue for this first issue. And I, I, I agree. I think a, a little bit more, a few more pages would have benefited the book. Mm-hmm. But I, like you said, there's enough for me to come back for issue two. Yeah. Especially that I do like, you know, I mean, the characters that I know, I like on this team. Right. So, you know, the ones that I don't know, We'll see, but the ones that I'm, you know, I've seen before, I have enjoyed seeing their previous appearances. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and just as New Warriors is beginning, Daredevil is ending just to begin again next month. Right. Volume three with uh, Mark Wade and Chris Somney is coming to a close. Uh, and wow, you know, I read uh, issues thirty-five and thirty-six together, and holy shit, this was good. Yeah, I, I do. It, it did feel rushed. I will. For for me, issue thirty-six felt rushed. I felt like a lot was going on, but I, I didn't feel. I felt like the, the pacing was fast, but I felt like it was it was in keeping with the action. Uh, I dug this issue a lot. I loved, I loved how lovingly each panel was drawn. There was a there was Chris Somney always brings his A game, but it seemed like especially for this book, there was a little bit more juice on the page. Um, the pages where. Uh, uh, Matt is flashing back to his origin where he is uh, – he lures the Serpent Society in to attack the courtroom. There's just this wonderful oomph on the page. And I have to say the pages with Foggy are painful. Yes, they are. Because he just does this amazing job of showing how much Foggy has deteriorated. Yeah. I mean the art on it, the ways and shadows, everything on those pages – when I see it, it just it's painful to see. Well, but I had a yeah, question no, on that because sure. at the end of the book, he says something about you know Foggy being on the mend or help Foggy continue Stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, on the mend. Like <clears throat> I didn't get the impression that Foggy was on the mend. Well, I think that he's out of his, the, the, that that experimental non FDA approved drug that the Serpent Society gave him uh, has bought him some additional remission. I think ah. while it's never it's never explicitly stated, I think that's what they're going for. That makes sense. But you know, I dug it. I just I re- I thought this was a nice end. But I will say, I think that I really benefited from reading thirty five and thirty six together. Um, because I came off of reading 35 with those brilliant pages with Daredevil and Elektra. And let me tell you, uh, Chris Somney draws Elektra like no one else. Um, she's, there's a sweetness to her character, um, when she's with Matt. Now, when she's not with Matt, you know, she's hardcore Elektra. But when she's talking to Matt and she's looking at Matt, you can almost see her as Matt might see her, you know, if he could see. You know, and it's like she allows herself to be that to him because he can't see her. I mean, I do, there was something about that on the page where I was just like, you never see Electra like this anywhere else or with anyone else. And I think that it was something that the artist did to show you that this is where Electra will allow herself to be vulnerable because the person she's allowing herself to be vulnerable with can't know it. I just, I, I just, I, I thought that it was extraordinarily well done. So I came off of that, the, the penultimate book in this, in this chapter, uh, and then coming into the last chapter of it, I, I, I think they read extraordinarily well together. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I have enjoyed this volume very much. You know, I'm looking forward to Daredevil in San Francisco. I, I, I have sense now. Something that I have enjoyed. It actually makes sense that they're going to end the volume at this point. Like, all this time I was wondering, why are they going to do a new number one with the same creative team? Mm-hmm. But it makes sense here. It really is a fresh start for him and a new jumping on point for anyone that hasn't been reading Mark Wade's Daredevil. One of the things that I enjoy about what Marvel does with Daredevil more so than what other what they do with their other titles or even what other publishers do with their titles is Daredevil has these very defined beginning, middle, and ending story arcs. You know, you've got the Bendis run. And starting off, you've got the Kevin Smith run. You've got the Bendis run. You've got the Brubaker run. And now you've got Mark Wade's run. 
you know, these are all self-contained story arcs. They're not perpetual act two, like most of the Marvel Universe is. I love that you can have these things on your shelf, and you can read a defined story arc without going, oh, well, it's going to be hanging into another thing. Yeah, well, even before that, I mean, you had that with Frank Miller. True. I mean, you know, everyone, when they come on Daredevil, I don't know, that character just seems to to, to lend himself well to that type of situation, yeah. I guess. Absolutely, and this is just, I mean... It would suck to be assigned the, you know, I think it would have sucked to have been the writer assigned to Daredevil after Brubaker and Bendis had left. I mean, like, holy fuck, what are you going to do with this guy? You know, and then here comes Mark Wade. Now the next guy's, you know, even though Mark Wade's going to continue on with the character, at some point somebody's going to go, fuck, i got to follow up Mark Wade. Yeah, but you know what? It it did suck to follow up Brubaker, Shadowland. Oh, fair point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very very forgettable, though. <laughs> yeah, you're left with a very broken character. Yeah. So, Aaron, Paul beat me to what I was going to get you and give you at Fear the Con, but I can get something for you that he can't right now. Oh, dear. So I want you to look through your Daredevils. Yes. I mean, you buy them digitally, I, I know. Uh-huh. Find the, which, you know, a cover you would want, and I'll get you, uh, I'll get it for you autographed by Somni. Because... He's going to be a Wizard World, and last year I spent probably two hours talking to him. So he's his table is one I want to be at a lot anyway. So I will get you autographed issue. I will do that, and then you and I need to talk because if we can figure out what his sketch rate is, I might have you pick me up something. Okay. Yeah. So we'll be chatting. We'll because I'll pay some dollars for uh, for a, an original Chris Somney. Yeah. Somney is a very approachable individual. He was uh, wonderful to talk to. Like I, said, I spent a good two hours over the uh, two days of the con talking to him. And uh, out of all of the creators I've met, I probably had more fun talking to him than any of the other creators I've seen at a convention. Awesome. So, yeah, I highly recommend uh, Daredevil number 36 and 35 and all the Daredevils that came before that by Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Paul, I also got to say. Yes, sir. I recommend Justice League number 28 because Jeff Johns, god damn it, did something I didn't think anybody could do. He wrote a good Metalman story? Yeah, holy fuck. Yeah. What, where the hell did that come from? Well, and I like that. I mean, so, <clears throat> you know, Justice League 28, even though it's a Forever Evil tie-in, really only spends a couple of issue, a couple of pages talking about Forever Evil. Um, it's mostly a flashback story to the Metal Men's first adventure, first and only adventure. So, you know, anything previously in the Metal Men has basically been wiped from continuity. What, which is okay. Yeah, which is okay because, I mean, <laughs> it's the Metal Men. Yeah. But the story yeah. that was told here, you know, they, I mean, they they are birthed, and their very first adventure, they all sacrifice themselves because they want to be more human. And right. I just, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and well, and I enjoyed the uh, the, uh, you know, the dynamic between the creator and the created, you know, and how you know, from out of, from out of the box, these things aren't acting the way they're supposed to. They're they're, you know, all of them have their own personalities. All of them are like, you know, hey, we just want to help. Even the even the asshole Mercury, <laughs> you know, wants to help, but you know, they are not at all uh, interested in following orders. You know, uh, you know, Doctor Magnus, Will Magnus. Um, you know, made these guys, and he thought he was creating servants, and he's not. You know, he he is creating friends. <laughs> and I I gotta say, I have I, there has never been a metal men story that I've that I've liked. I've always kind of enjoyed their design. I thought they're they're interesting artistically, but never ever cared for you know the stories with them. And I dug this from beginning to end. Yeah, it was a great story. The art was really well done. I think it was Ivan Rice was on art, wasn't he? It is Ivan Rice. Yep. Yeah. He did a really bang up job on the, on their characters. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, my only issue is one of the metal men. As soon as he's born, he basically says, "All right, I'm here. Point me at the bad guys." Yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, they just came out being super heroic. I thought, well, you know, you know, I thought that was an interesting choice. Well, and I loved. I, I agree, you know, but I think some of that's into the programming because of what he would, was programming them to do, like go into, uh, you know, hostile situations and, you know, pull, rescue people, you know. Uh, though yeah, I true. read that, I, I read that as, you know, a burning building. <laughs> you know, I didn't read that as, you know, uh, Mongols in town and you got to, you know, rescue people before Mongol gets them. But there's that, that moment where uh, the, the, uh, 
military busts open the the lab door and the metal men revert back to their you know very generic state and i thought that i thought that was a cool moment that they knew enough to revert back to their generic state and not show their personalities yeah until they could you know ascertain what this guy was there for exactly but no i dug this and i i I think it's kind of natural that Cyborg would team up with the Metal Men, you know? I mean, I I, yeah, I hate you know. to say this, but, you know, we, we remarked in the previous issue of Forever Evil, or a previous issue of Justice League, that um, Cyborg was written in a way that we didn't hate him. Mm-hmm. I, I think I might read a Cyborg in the Metal Men comic book, or at least a miniseries. It depends on who writes it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And who draws it, because, you know, you're not always going to have Ivan Rice drawing these guys and doing just such a remarkable draw, remarkable job. But, you know, if, if you had a storyteller of this caliber and an artist of this caliber doing a Cyborg in the Metal Men comic, I'd be all in. Yeah, I agree, which is not something I would have said. Hell, six I months ago. But two months ago. Two months ago. I, I wouldn't have said it. I wouldn't have said it last month before reading the Cyborg, uh, the the last issue of Justice League, because you know we all know that I can't stand Vic Stone, you know. But uh, I, I thought he he has he has been well featured in the Forever Evil book, and uh, I or what Forever Evil story arc, I should say. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just dazzled by the metal men, just dazzled by them. So I, the work that Jeff Johns has been doing with Cyborg has finally paid off. Finally, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I'm I'm eager to see more. And you know, we are we are racing to the end of Forever Evil. Yeah, I think. What there's one or two more issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, at most two months, I believe. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it, seeing how it works, and uh, seeing forward or looking forward to seeing what happens with Nightwing. Ditto. So, you know, flipping back over to the Marvel side of the house, uh, the Jonathan Hickman, Nick Spencer written Avengers World book uh, with art by Stefano Caselli, issue three came out this week um, and featured the showdown between Shang-Chi and the Gorgon. And this felt more like a uh, follow up to Secret Warriors than it did an Avengers book. Agreed. And don't get me wrong. That's high praise. Because <laughs> I really love Jonathan Hickman's Secret Warriors, but you know, the whole time I'm reading it, I'm like, I wonder what people are getting out of this that didn't read Secret Warriors. Yeah, because the Gorgon was heavily featured in that book, uh, Secret Warriors, and basically not since. Yeah, <laughs> um, and you know, Jonathan Hickman and Stefano Caselli were the creative team on Secret Warriors, or for a good portion of it. Yep. Um, so I loved the hell out of this issue. You know. I yeah. loved the Shang-Chi narration. It was it was almost like, you know, Matt Fraction was writing it a bit, too. You know, I mean, you had that Matt Fraction sensibility with the Shang-Chi narration, but you had the Jonathan Hickman Secret Warriors connection. Yep. Um, I thought it was a great issue. And it's, you know, it's funny because I read it, and I was done, and I was like, that was a really short issue. I mean, like, was that 17 pages or something? But no, it was a full 20 pages. But it is... You know, it's it's basically a fight scene, right? Um, but you know, it was but it moves so fast. It does, it, it, and I I had the same response. It's like, wow, that's already over, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But but thoroughly loved it, and you know, Paul, I need a monthly Shang Chi book. I think we're getting one. Are we really? Well, I don't know if we're getting an ongoing, but we are getting a Shang Chi uh, miniseries coming up later this well, year. Okay, let me correct that. I need a good Shang Chi book because. Well, when Hickman or Bendis is writing Shang-Chi, it's fantastic. But, you know, we had that Shang-Chi Spider Island. Uh, that was so bad, and we were yeah, looking was, forward to that. Yeah, it was critically bad, um, shamefully bad. So Shang-Chi goes solo this May in The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, a limited series from writer Mike Benson, who wrote uh, Moon Knight a couple years back, mm. and artist Tom Eng Fott. mm yeah. Yeah, I'm not feeling it here, Paul. <laughs> uh, forced overseas to England following the death of a former love and, under- and undercover agent for MI6, the Marvel's most impressive hand-to-hat combatant finds himself beset by enemies new and old as he tries to unravel the truth of her death. Yeah. I'm not feeling the love on that. Yeah, I'm going to give it a... You know, I'll give it a first issue. I just... Uh, you know, if they if they had someone like Warren Ellis or Jonathan Hickman or, you know, well, and it, it, that would be yeah. more exciting for me. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, Nick Spencer or, you know, I just, I just, I need somebody of, of, I just need somebody to treat him with love. Now, I'll pick up the first issue. So, you know, even though I don't, I'm not real familiar with this guy's work, I'm going to give him a chance. But, you know, 
I just fear that it's not going to be good. Yeah, Mike Benson, he he wrote from Moon Knight after that arc. Um, Hurwitz? After Hurwitz. Yeah. He took over after Hurwitz. See, and that wasn't good, Paul. Yeah, I know. The Hurwitz stuff was great. The stuff that came after, not so much. Mm-hmm. Well, so. and speaking of not great, so, you know, you and I have been talking about how much we want that Marvel Infinity hardcover. Um, the, you know, the omnibus, or it's not even, it's just all of the issues. Um, but Marvel apparently is getting some heat over the paper quality of their recent larger hardcovers because the paper is so thin that you can practically see the art through it on the other really? side of the page. Ouch, because hardcovers are so expensive as it is. Well, and because, and because the paper is so thin, you know, it has a habit of... Tearing. <laughs> not only tearing, but not staying flat. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 so you get, you know, the, the warped pages in this book that you paid $75 for. And, you know, people are not happy about it. Now, Marvel hasn't commented yet um, as to what they're going to do about it. But I'm I'm hesitant to pick up this Infinity until I know that they've done something to correct it. Well, I'm glad I haven't picked mine up yet. But, you know, I, I, I would compare the size of the volume to the uh, Death and Return of Superman omnibus. And that's a very high-quality book. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how much you've how much you've done through yours, Paul, but but you know the, the pages are you know high quality paper, uh, fantastic printing, and you know they're valued in the same ballpark. You know, so yeah. I don't and, I don't know what the hell Marvel's trying to pull there. No, they're but, trying to save money, and I get that, but I mean, it, uh, I, and here's the thing: it comes with a free digital code. For, which is a great deal, but I already have every single issue in that thing digitally. I want the hardcover. Right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not going to buy a hardcover that's not quality. Right. Mm-mm-mm. So, you know, but with Infinity, you know, we've got Thanos coming back this year. And, you know, Jim Starlin's doing a Thanos um, original graphic novel later right. this year. I'm, I'm very excited about this. I don't recall the name of it. It's Infinity something. Um the Infinity Revelation mm-hmm. comes out later this year. Now, before that, though, he will be teaming up with Ron Lim, mm. the artist um, who took over the last couple of Infinity storylines. You know, he, you know, because uh, Jim Starlin and uh, George Perez did Infinity Gauntlet, but Ron Lim took over for Infinity War. I think was the second one. And so, you know, Ron Lim, who's one of my favorite artists from that well, time frame. And just remember, you know, Ron Lim and Ron Mars' uh, work on the Silver Surfer, which is, from my perspective, the best run in the Silver Surfer ever. Absolutely. You know, uh, so getting Ron Lim back, I mean, you know, Ron Lim is the guy that kept me in X-Men 2099. You know, it was a horrible book, mm-hmm. but I loved his artwork on it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thoroughly excited to hear that Starlin and Ron Lim will be getting back together. Yeah, for a Thanos annual in May with cover by uh, Dale Keown. Very cool. Um, and it says, uh, learn how a deving dis- defeat in Thanos past sets into motion cataclysmic events that cannot be undone. And you know what? It, I don't care what's in it. It's Jim Starlin and Ron Lim. They can't be undone, Paul. Well, apparently. Yeah, they can't. What I think is interesting, though, is that Marvel Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonso says, Jim, quote, Jim Starlin and Ron Lim, the team that brought you the classic Infinity Gauntlet, are reuniting in Thanos Annual. Um, that tells a brand new story that pays the road to Starlin's upcoming Thanos original graphic novel, unquote. And, you know, they didn't do Infinity Gauntlet. So I think that's interesting <laughs> that, that, you know, that, you know that, that was George Perez. Right. But, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I was already looking forward to the Thanos graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you told me the Thanos graphic novel had art by Ron Lim, too... You know, because I like Ron Lim's art more than I like Jim Starlin's. Uh, so, you know, but I love Jim Starlin's writing. So I'm on board for both of these. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Excited. You know, and uh, lots of but This is a very Marvel-centric podcast other than, you know, Justice League. You know, this week, Dan Slott had it out with Bleeding Cool. And no. Have you guys heard about this? No. No, but I'm looking forward to hearing about it because he has a history of uh, getting into fights on the internet basically yeah well he got into a fight with rich johnson from bleeding cool because bleeding cool last week posted a um posted the last page of batman 28 um you know which revealed that spoiler was there and you know they posted the last page um i think at like 11 a.m eastern so they waited until comic shops were open eastern time but before comic shops were open you know on the west coast so Dan Slott was, you know, very upset that 
they posted the final page of the book um, before people had even had a chance to get the book themselves. How is that any different from what Marvel does with their USA Today press conferences? And that was Rich Johnson's point as well. I was saying because they waited until day of at least. (laughs) No, they don't. Sometimes they don't. Well, and let's face it, that didn't spoil anything in the story. It built hype. I wouldn't have gone out and bought the issue if I hadn't been able to look it up and prove that Paul wasn't just trying to get me to buy the book by saying spoiler was in it. Yeah. So, so tell us about the uh, the conflict, Paul. I mean, it, you know, it, it, they went back and forth uh, for quite a while, um, you know, about this whole, you know, it, was it right for them to to post the last page? You know, how was it different than the Marvel, you know, posting spoilers to USA Today? Um, you know, all that stuff. And they just went back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, basically, Dan Slott is of the, you know, the impression that you shouldn't post the last page of a book. You know, I mean, people went through the trouble of putting that book together, you know, and for you to spoil it that way, you know, that's not news. You're just being a jerk is basically right. his point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. I don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, and to a certain extent, I don't disagree with him. Yeah, I don't either. But, it's hard for me to take anything he says of value because Marvel doesn't practice what he's preaching. No, agree. You know, how many times have we been spoiled by Marvel's own press conference? You know, I just, you know, <laughs> clean up your own house before you try to clean up somebody else's. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Bleeding's cool as, you know, it's a website that's known for, screw, you know, for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, just as Marvel is a company known for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, for me... You know, the fact that spoiler was in the book, yes, it was the last page reveal, and yes, it was a big reveal, but, you know, it's not a surprise death or anything like that. But, uh, right. you know, Bleeding Cool is kind of uh, fucking with Don, with Dan Slott now, <laughs> because they used to have a little sign that said, stop, spoilers ahead. Right. And now they, they changed it, and it says, slot, spoilers ahead. <laughs> uh, so they're That's just awesome. messing with them now. You know, it's, it's, you know, again, I see both sides of the argument. I really do. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's interesting I, that, you know, I mean, it, it turned into something heated. I see both sides of the argument as well. Dan Slott's a hypocrite and Bleeding Fool, which I, 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 you know, I find it strange to say this. I'm on their side. Um, you know, they're at least honest about what they're doing. Yeah, well, you know, and here's the thing. I have issues. I have plenty of issues with Bleeding Cool. Absolutely. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, they're willing to spoil these things, but there are some times where they're like, hey, we have a spoiler. And, you know, and, you know they post... They, they will just put. They will find news even when there's not news, and that's one of the things that ang- that bugs me about bleeding cool. You know, the, the, you know who has a spoiler? DC has a spoiler because they brought her back. Jeez, oh, I'm I'm so happy. I don't want to spoil. I'm anything. still happy. I'm still glowing from just knowing that she's back. I don't want to spoil anything for you, Wayne, but she dies in the next issue. Twice. I yeah. I don't see that on Bleeding Cool, so I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but on the day it comes out, look on their website about eight a.m. Right. <laughs> and don't tell Dan Slot. <laughs> or tell him. Yeah, tell him. In fact, tell him so we can talk about it again. That's right. So, you know, Aaron, you and I talked um, a couple weeks ago about the, the big, was it Dynamite sale? Oh, man, that Dynamite sale. I'm still working through the, all those books I bought. But one of the books that they had was one of their gold key, you know, new gold key books, which yep. was Turok. Written by Greg Pak with art by Mirko Kolak. Now, I have previously liked Turok. Right. Um, and I like Turok most when it's dealing with the more science fiction element. Mm-hmm. Like when Valiant did it with Bart Sears on art, I don't remember who the writer was, um, you know, but they also had the video game around the same time and they had, you know, the science fiction weapons and, you know, so you had the futuristic mixed with the Native American fighting the dinosaurs and I, I, I enjoyed that run on Turok. Right. So, you know, I was curious about this new Turok book, and I hated this book, Aaron. Yeah, you know, I, I thought the artwork was competent, but it wasn't jazzy. You know, there wasn't anything here that made me say, wow, that's that's brilliantly done. But it was competent. It wasn't bad. It just, you know. I wouldn't even go that. I mean, I didn't like the artwork at all. I, I, the artwork actually struck me as very, eh. You know, it, it, well, it, it, I wanted something a little more interesting. No, I agree. I just I think that the artwork was adequate. I mean, I felt like they drew a story. They just didn't do it in an artistic manner. It's like the difference between, you know, craftsmanship and art. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can see that. But uh, but you know, I found I found that the 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 
the artist was competent. You know, he could draw a convincing dinosaur. He could draw a convincing Native American. Uh, but there wasn't anything on there where, where I turned a page and went, holy crap, that's awesome. You know, when these guys are all being chased by raptors, I should have been freaking out. I should have been, I should have been jazzed about that. And I wasn't. There wasn't any emotional energy on the page. And maybe that's because the script was so lackluster. Yeah. Because there's nothing interesting going on in the story either. Yeah, and then you find out that it takes place, you know, in the 1200s, I believe. Right. And um, I have no interest in reading a Turok story set in the 1200s. Right. You know, I want to see Turok set in the modern day with the science fiction element. That's, that's the Turok that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely not picking up any more issues of this uh, current yeah. incarnation. It seemed very much like Turok meets Prince Valiant. You yes. know? And yes. I was like, yeah, I, I don't really want to read that. So, yeah, I'm out as well. And it's sad because I got so excited when the 50% off sale came up. And, uh, you know, and th- this was included in it. But, man, what a piece of crap. You know, it's funny. The Valiant characters that were so big in the 90s, and they've, they, you know, multiple companies have tried relaunching them multiple times. It seems like no one really has been able to do it successfully since Valiant did it in the 90s. Yeah. And, and, Magnus or Turok or, you know, Solar, any of those characters. Yeah, and just to restate for, for, for accuracy, you said the Valiant characters, but these are actually gold key characters, right? Correct, correct. Well, I mean, but even some of the Valiant characters who were purchased and, you know, tried relaunching at other companies right. like Marvel and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It seems It seems like those stories that were out, you know, when Valiant was publishing them uh, back in the day, uh, it seems like that was lightning in a bottle, and I'm just not sure that you can recapture it. It kind of reminds me of the Red Circle characters, you know, yeah. that everybody keeps trying to do something with, and, you know, even Mark Wade couldn't save the fox, you know? I, mm-hmm. I, I just, it, it makes me sad because I want to enjoy them, but we're not getting anything that I find very enjoyable. Yeah, I keep going back and trying every new Solar title that comes out, and yeah. um, it just, Solar and Magnus, I really loved them when they were in Valiant, yeah. and nobody has been able to tell a good story with them since then. Well, and, you know, it's not just those characters, and you know, not to take us too off base here, um, but characters like Flash Gordon, the Phantom, um, you know, the Shadow, even. You know, I mean, these are characters that I've loved in past, and, you know, sometimes it just seems like there's a lightning-in-a-bottle series that happens, and every iteration since then just doesn't seem to capture the right feel. Agreed. Hornet, you know? Yeah. Um, it, 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 and it's just, I don't know if it's that the characters are that hard to write or that hard to get a grasp of, or maybe if I went back and read those stories, those old Valiant stories, maybe they would suck. Um, but I don't think so. I mean, I remember the Barry Windsor Smith art on Solar, you know, very distinctly. Yeah. And, you know, I loved that, the, those original stories, but it just doesn't seem to, to have that feel anymore. So next week on the show, you can look forward to hearing about that Thor, the Dark World, comes out on Blu-ray on oh, Tuesday. Can't wait. Can't wait. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, God, Aaron. Yeah, you got to see it. I got to. Got to. Well, and Best Buy has a Steelbook exclusive that is already sold out on their website. Uh-huh. So you can, you know, if you want to get it, you have got to hit Best Buy on Tuesday. Mm-mm-mm. Um, you know, it's a Blu-ray, 3D, Blu-ray, and DVD or whatever, digital copy or whatever. Do you, do any of you guys have a 3D Blu-ray TV? No. No. The PlayStation 3 is a blue, you know, will play them in 3D, but I don't have a 3D TV. Gotcha. I didn't know that it would play them in 3D. Because mm-hmm. I, th- I don't have a 3D TV, so. Yeah, it actually has that capability. So. Um, also next week, let's talk about the comics that are coming out. Yes, sir. The Ultimate's Last Stand, number five of five, comes out next week, the last issue of that series. I'm in. The relaunch of Fantastic Four by James Robinson and Leonard Kirk. Is anyone picking that one up? I I will pick up the first issue because I like James Robinson. I'll pick up the first issue with you. I will flip through the first issue and make my decision then. (laughs) Um, New issues of of Guardians of the Galaxy, Hawkeye, and Indestructible Mm -hmm. coming out as well. Um, now, Marvel is relaunching their Marvel UK characters with Revolutionary War Super Soldiers. Right. Um, I know, wait, that's, it says number one, but it also says number five. So maybe it's number five. I don't know. I haven't been reading it anyway. Huh. So I just didn't know if anyone was interested in that at all, the Marvel UK stuff. I used to read some of that back in the 90s. I read a lot of stuff back in the 90s that I don't know. <laughs> um, 
New issues of Superior Spider-Man and Wolverine are coming out as well. And Wolverine and the X-Men number 42, which is the last issue of that run uh, by Jason Aaron. I'm looking forward to that one. Now, from DC, Wayne, do you read still read World's Finest? Um, I don't get every issue, but I pick it up on and off. Because uh, this is um, next week's issue of Batman Superman. Uh, crosses over with World's Finest. It's a uh, you know Superman Batman teaming up with Power Girl and Huntress story. Yeah, I plan on getting that one because I picked up the uh, the last issue was where Huntress finally met our the regular New 52 DC's Batman. Hmm. So I was planning on getting the next one. I don't know. I'll, I I will contemplate it. Uh, it's got art by Kenneth Rocafort, so that might sell me on it. Um, also from DC Comics, written by Marguerite Bennett with art by Dan Jurgens, is Lois Lane number one. Well, it says number one, but it's a Lois Lane one-shot. Hmm. Um, Lois Lane is known for chasing down stories, but what happens when the story is her family? As her father gains more power in the government, Lois's sister Lucy has become involved with a deadly drug scene. Meanwhile, Lois thought she was rid of the influence of Brainiac, but now she finds that the computer tyrant of Kolu is calling out to her again. It's a four ninety nine book. I say, you know what happens when Lois Lane has a four ninety nine book? I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's what happened. It seems harsh. I'll check out a preview. The Dan Jurgens art, you know, that gets me every time. <laughs> now, also from DC Comics, um, Vertigo is relaunching The Wake. The, the second half of The Wake is starting now after a short hiatus. Um, Aaron, I know you probably never got around to finishing the first uh, the first half of it. I did not. But, it but is, not because I didn't like it. just never got around to finishing it. It's a great book, and I'm really looking forward to the second half starting next week. Good deal. And um, from Dark Horse, Tomb Raider number one. Uh, comes out written by Gail Simone, and it takes place in the you know the relaunched Tomb Raider universe of the the new video game. So I'll be picking that one up. Ho- hopefully, someone will pick it up with me. Probably not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not gonna be able to help you there, Wayne. Not gonna happen. Damn it! Where's Andrew when you need him? I'm probably playing soccer. <laughs> well, and one more big announcement for you guys is that IdeologyofMadness.com. We've reopened our forums. Uh, they were never really closed, but we just didn't really advertise them. So we've got them reopened for you guys. The link is on the front page of ideologyofmadness.com. Come out there and chat with us. Um, you know, we'll be posting some interesting news and links and stuff on there as well. You know, I, I got to say, Paul, I'm I'm a, a little disappointed. Uh, I was promised uh, earlier that the new Six Million Dollar Man season six issue one from Dynamite was going to be out in February, and it's not coming out next week. Oh. I'm, I'm a little disappointed by that. It comes out sometime in March, so it's still coming, but apparently it got delayed a little bit. Mm, that is a shame. You know, uh, I started picking up, re-picking up that um, King's Watch book. Yeah. It, it got much better after issue two. Did it really? Yeah. I, I, I heard that it had, so you know, I went ahead and gave it a shot, and uh, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Well, I, I'm over here on the Dynamite site right now, mm-hmm. and I see that they've got uh, – a new Solar Man of the Atom, as you've never imagined, coming out. Interesting. So, you know, hey, Wayne, if you want to take another swing at uh, Solar Man of the Atom, Dynamite is happy to take your money. Well, and they've got a new Magnus <laughs> robot fighter started in March, yeah. uh, written by Fred Van Linty. So, it, it, sad thing is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Magnus a shot. I knew that you would. <laughs> I always do, and I always get burnt. Even though I hated to rock, I'll yeah. give Magnus a shot. So when does Magnus come out again? Uh, March, isn't it? Yep, March. It doesn't have okay. the exact date. Oh, March so 12th. Paul, Paul, you should buy that in physical, and then when you hate it, you can give it to me at Fear the Con, so I can read it and not have to <laughs> get money on it. Yeah, and Fear the Con's just a couple of months away. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, check out fearofthecon.com, see what games we're playing in. We will be there. Yeah. Very good. Well, guys, this time next week, I will have seen Thor The Dark World. And we will chat about it. We will chat about it. Ah. Uh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, have a good week. Uh, you too, Paul. You too. And Wayne, you have a good week as well. I'll try. Oh, fuck you, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 